Hello, my beautiful people. We're going to continue with Killer Choice, Chapter 12. Killer Choice, Chapter 12. Gary woke up early on the day he'd murder someone for the first time in his life. The morning sun, just rising, cast a light through the bedroom's only window. Beth rested on her back beside him, still sleeping. Gary gingerly walked over to his dresser, grabbed a t-shirt and jeans, and put them on. As he shut the dresser drawer, it cracked slightly in bed. Beth rustled awake. Where are you going? she whispered. Running some errands, Gary said, just go back to sleep. Beth curled onto her side of the bed and closed her eyes. Gary drove a few miles past the city limits, turned into a gravel road, and continued on until he was in the countryside. No nearby houses, no major highways, no other cars, perfect for what he was about to do. He parked on the side of the road, took another look around to make sure he was alone, and opened the glove department. There it is, the gun he would use to end someone's life tonight. Looking at the gun and knowing its potential was a powerful, scary feeling. Gary grabbed the gun and carried it over to an oak tree on the edge of the road. The tree's gnawed, thick trunk was covered with dusty residue from the gravel road. A few crows were perched high up in the bare branches. When he was ten feet from the tree, Gary stopped walking. He took in a deep breath of cold air through his nostrils and pointed the gun at the tree trunk. He grasped the gun with one hand, his fingers holding the grip in the exact position instructed by the article he'd read on the internet last night. Once he was ready, he looked down the sights at the tree trunk, stared at it, concentrated, and squeezed the trigger. A lot happened all at once. A high-pitched, sharp crack, much louder than he'd expected, ripped through the tranquil morning. The crows resting on the tree's branches squawked loudly and took flight. The recoil of the weapon made the gun jump in Gary's hand, sending the shot wafertly off to the side of the tree trunk. The kickback was an intense that he felt the vibration in his hands, his arms even up through his shoulder. Little puffs of smoke filtered out from the barrel and the hard, coppery scent of gunpowder filled the air. Gary took there for a few minutes. He just stood there, waiting for the wearing, the ringing in the cars, in his ears, and everything, and the stinging in his arms to pass. Once he was ready, he gripped the gun tighter, tighter, flexing the muscles in his arm to steady it. He stared at the tree trunk and pulled the trigger. He missed again, but it felt much comfortable. The recoil didn't seem as intense, the sound not as loud. He took a few steps closer to the tree, just over five feet away from now. He pulled the trigger twice, anticipating the recoil and sound. Both shots hit the trunk, sending a few small chunks of bark splintering off. He carried the gun back to the car. That was enough. He'd come here to familiarize himself with the weapon as best as he could. He'd done just that. One less things to worry about for tonight, but there was plenty else. Twenty minutes later, Gary pulled the Corolla off of I-84 at the exit for Stevens Street. He turned left at the base off the ramp. The neighborhood he entered was nice and quaint. The houses up and down the street were similar. Each one was built a lot with a medium-sized yard out front. A few of the houses had for sale signs in the yard. A park with dense trees along the perimeter bordered one edge of the neighborhood, stretching on for almost five blocks. He drove for two blocks on Stevens and took a right on Walter Street. His head was on swivel as he drove down Walton Street, taking in as many details of the neighborhood as possible, making mental notes about anything that stood out. 
His heart pounded heavily as he reached the 500 block of Walton Street. He slowed his car, not enough to appear suspicious, but enough to allow him to observe his surroundings. He drove past 505 Walton, drove past a few more houses until he reached 517 Walton, the address on Devin Peterson's driver's license, the site for tonight's murder. It was a white house with a small front porch. A single car garage was off to the side, and a cement walkway led from the side entrance of the garage in the porch. Next to the walkway was a cluster, a cluster of two-foot-high bushes. After Gary passed the house, he continued on for five blocks and made a U-turn. He drove back through the neighborhood, Devin Peterson's house on his right side down. Once again, he mentally noted as many details of the house surrounding area as he could. A few blocks past 517 Walton, Gary headed back to the interstate, Two passes through to the neighborhood was enough. Any more of that seemed too risky. Beth was awake when he arrived home. She stood at the kitchen counter wearing a white bathrobe crinch loosely over the bump of her stomach. I'll be in the baby's room making some phone calls, Gary said, walking past her. Tyson's room, she said. What? Tyson's room. Not the baby's room. He has a name now, remember? Right. I'll be in there calling people. In Tyson's room, Gary walked over to the desk and grabbed a pencil and pad of paper. He sketched out a diagram of Devin Peterson's neighborhood, drawing quickly so he could include all the details while he was still fresh in his mind. The park that stretched along the east end of the neighborhood, the streets that intersected with Walton, the layout of the front yard of Devin Peterson's house, the shortest route back to the interstate. He mapped out the house he could remember and entered indicated which house had for sale signs in the front yard, houses that were more mostly vacant, information that could prove to be useful. Once he finished sketching, he started planning for the night. What time he'd arrive in the neighborhood where he'd hide while waiting for Devin, the escape route he'd take to minimize the risk of being spotted by someone. He reviewed this plan over and over, committing every last detail to memory, then put together a solid, organized blueprint for the night. It was exhaustively researched. Finally, tune plan with total attention to detail. Despite his planning, he worried about the endless things that could go wrong. An observant neighbor could spot him. He could inquire your ankle, take a nasty fall. Devin could arrive home before 11 o'clock or after or not at all. The gun could malfunction. His aim could be off. His car could fail to start or get st- stuck at his as he exit or escape. All would take is for him to know. It will be one mistake, one slip-up, or unexpected twist for everything to just veer way out of control.